So if you're like most adults, you've probably gotten a flu shot or taken your child to be vaccinated against diseases like measles and chickenpox. You may have passed a billboard on the way to work today that reminded you to eat your vegetables. And unless you're seriously off the grid, you turned on the tap today and clean water came out, you flushed your toilet, and the contents went away. All of these are advances in our physical well-being that we call public health. Welcome to Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. I'm Nancy Derringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast, we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 102 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. More on that at the end of the show. Today, I'm joined by researcher Tim Mischling, who did most of the heavy lifting on our latest long-form report, looking at public health efforts in Michigan. Welcome, Tim. Hello. Great to have you here. But let's start out with the simple stuff, because there's apparently some confusion around the issue. How exactly do we define what we call public health? That's a great question. A really simple definition is that public health is the science of protecting and improving the health of people and their communities. So when we talk about public health, we're not really talking about public health care or health insurance programs like Medicare or Medicaid, uh, but rather we're talking about activities and policies that focus on the health of an entire population and look at prevention. So... Public health is the science and art of preventing disease, prolonging life, promoting human health through organized efforts and informed choices of society, organizations, public and private, communities, and individuals. And once you try to define it that way, it starts to get a little bit murky. And the fact that healthcare access is also a concern of public health sort of blurs the lines, but... I see. I think most of us who are fans of old movies have seen the scene where um, somebody comes along and nails a sign to the door that says quarantine <laughs> because uh, <laughs> because somebody has uh, some infectious disease that they're not supposed to be out in the community. So I think uh, that, that to me is kind of the old-fashioned version of public health. But today we're talking about things like um, information campaigns, um, vaccination uh, pushes. There's there's all sorts of things that kind of weave into this, right? Yeah, it, there absolutely are. If you look at schools of public health, this includes things like epidemiology, environmental health, and behavioral health sciences, health education, health policy, health administration, biostatistics, biomedical laboratory sciences, nutrition sciences, food safety, toxicology, occupational health. So there are a lot of things that fall under the the general umbrella of public health. And at the state level, that means ensuring safe food, safe water, clean air, clean soil. Ideally, it means stopping the spread of diseases and those kind of traditional public health functions that you think of. But it also means digging deeper to find the underlying issues that lead to poor health. Um, And not all of those are physical. Those can be social or psychological as well. Um, And public health means 
informing people of ways that neighborhoods and household factors affect their health as well. Okay. So it sounds like going to the doctor is healthcare, but going to the grocery store where we assume that the food we buy there has been properly inspected and adheres to policies surrounding its handling, transport, and packaging, that would be public health care. That's one way to look at it, sure. Okay. So a while back, our family's uh, go-to pizzeria was named in a public health warning on hepatitis A, which is a foodborne illness. Um, Apparently, an employee there had tested positive for it. And what's more, we learned subsequently, Michigan is having a real problem with hepatitis A these past few months. In fact, I believe it's the worst outbreak in the nation. Uh, What are the implications for Michigan when something like this happens? Sure. So hepatitis A is a highly contagious liver infection caused by the hepatitis A virus. And infections can range from mild to severe, with death being a possible but rare outcome. The implications for Michigan are a whole lot of sick people and related medical costs to providing treatment to those sick people, um, as well as lost productivity when people miss work or school due to the illness. On the individual level, implications will certainly vary with the severity of illness, but really, no one wants to get hep A. Yeah. Um, as of last Friday, Michigan had seen 875 documented cases of hepatitis A since the start of the outbreak, uh, which it's been an ongoing thing. Um, and that's led to 705 hospitalizations, which is about four out of every five people, uh, as well as 27 deaths. Wow. All for something that could be... Um that's that's easily preventable by a sanitary uh, pro- following proper sanitary procedures and vaccinations and this sort of thing. Correct? Yeah, I don't I don't know about easily preventable given how highly contagious it is, right. but this is this is definitely you know preventable harm that we're seeing. Uh, they haven't been able to identify a single food source, and so there are a lot of ways this can spread. Obviously contamination, lack of washing hands, ingesting the virus in a variety of ways, as well as people sharing needles or doing other unsanitary practices. So the way public health tries to respond is, first of all, um, working with healthcare providers to keep them notified and appraised about the outbreak and associated risks so that if folks need to go to the hospital, the hospital is prepared to respond to that sudden need. The public health response also involves uh, public notification and education about the disease and outreach with vaccination clinics for high-risk populations. So providing the notice to folks like you that the pizzeria might be a source of exposure to the virus is part of that outreach and education. The education also involves letting people know how to prevent the infectious disease from spreading through hand washing, not sharing food, drinks, utensils, cigarettes, needles, or the like uh, with a potentially infected person, or really with anyone. Um, and for people who may have been exposed to the to the disease uh, or who are considered high risk, there's also a hepatitis A vaccine that's part of the response. So screening, immunization, risk assessment, planning for infectious disease emergency responses, these are all important factors in disease prevention, and they're all part of what we call public health. But hepatitis A is not the only source of foodborne illness, correct? No, not at all. And we've seen outbreaks recently, well, at least 
cases of, of E. coli and of salmonella that have been related to tainted food products in Michigan. Uh, it's picnic it, season. It is picnic season. So in that, with that in mind, when people get sick at a picnic and someone points to the egg salad and says, that's what caused the gastrointestinal distress, uh, that person's being an armchair public health practitioner. Not quite as bad as Monday morning quarterbacking, but pretty close. <laughs> so that being, that being said, I think most epidemiologists I know will still tell you it's always the egg salad. <laughs> it's always the egg salad or the potato salad. So um, let's preface this next question with a caveat. Public health work encompasses um, quite a bit as we've gotten into here, and it varies widely from state to state. So it can be very difficult to quantify public health spending across the nation. However, you found that Michigan isn't doing so well among the 50 states. Can you explain a little bit about this? Exactly. It's really difficult to compare across states uh, when they don't have the same designations or same types of services even being provided or, you know, any consistency in what they call public health. Um, and for that matter, it's hard to get a handle on what Michigan is investing in public health, even at the state level, because of differences across state agencies and the uh, fact that public health is provided both at the state and at local levels through local health departments. Uh, but when you look at a state's total health spending, and then you sort of strip away all the federal dollars and federally funded programs, so taking away things like Medicaid that we might you know, we wouldn't consider public health or taking away uh, WIC and CHIP and some of those other health insurance programs or support programs, you're left with a rough approximation of what the state is spending on population health efforts. Okay. Uh, in fiscal year 2017, Michigan ranked 43rd in state per capita public health spending. Uh, that amounted to spending $12.92 per person on public health. And in the interest of comparison, I always like to look at M states to compare to Michigan. And so if we look at Mississippi, they spent slightly less than us at $12.26 per person, whereas Minnesota spent $64.89 per person. Wow. Uh, it, we're a lot closer to Mississippi with regard to our public health. Yeah, of course. I, was, <laughs> I see what you did there. By calling them both M states, you also kind of elided the fact that Michigan tends to, or that Mississippi rather, tends to dwell in the cellar on a lot of uh, various issues among the states. And Minnesota is frequently at the top. So we're a lot closer to Mississippi than Minnesota, though. So depending on what you consider public health, uh, Michigan spends as much as 2.5% of the state budget on public health activities, or as little as a fraction of a percent. Okay. The spending is actually spread across multiple departments, including state police and the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. Um, essential public health services are also provided by Michigan's 45 local health departments. And because of this organizational complexity with the Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs, the Department of Environmental Quality taking on the environmental health issues, and there still being a population health division within the Department of Health and Human Services, it's it makes it difficult to get a handle on what each program and department is spending. We have the poor outcomes to show for this too, correct? I would say so. Just about any way you slice it, Michigan is one of the least healthy states in the country. We exceed national averages in deaths from cancer, heart disease, diabetes, chronic lower respiratory disease, kidney disease, influenza, 
accidental deaths, uh, which would include drug overdoses. Uh, we also exceed the nation in firearm deaths and homicides. Uh, we smoke more than average. We have a higher prevalence of adult obesity. Uh, and we have a higher infant mortality rate and a shorter average life expectancy at birth, which is obviously relating back to those uh, age-adjusted mortality rates of, of various uh, leading causes of death. Wow. So we have all these things, despite having better than average health insurance and healthcare access in Michigan and having some of the best rated hospitals in the country. Hmm. It would take additional study beyond this preliminary report to assert that these poor health outcomes are solely because of poor public health investment by the state, although it's really a probable factor. What these indicators do tell us, though, is that there's a need for additional public health interventions and policies that are not fulfilled by the healthcare sector um, and are not being fulfilled by the state right now, uh, as well as needing greater integration of public health into primary care. Okay. Beyond the simple answer, which is to spend more, what might be a better way to promote public health efforts in Michigan? Well, in general, I think just the public needs to think more carefully about how pollution affects health and, for that matter, how things like poverty affect health. And by extension, when I say the public, I'm including lawmakers and, and policymakers as part of that calculus. This gets back to the old social determinants of health thing, doesn't it? It certainly does. Okay. As well Which as. We've talked about in the past. But. Yes. In the report, we suggest an important step is to consider what's referred to as health and all policies. So. Health in all policies is a collaborative approach to improving the health of all people by incorporating health considerations into decision-making across sectors and policy areas. It provides a framework for state departments and agencies to work together and identify priority programs, policies, and strategies to improve health. Can you think of an example of this? Beyond the public policy jargon of intragovernmental and intersectoral collaborations, however, what this means is simply that Policies affect health, and so regardless of whether or not a health department is the one designing them, we need to consider their health impacts. All policymaking in every department and at every level of government should consider the related population health implications of their activities. If so, only they had done that in Flint. <laughs> if only they had done that in Flint and in the way we design houses with lead, then the way we've set up water systems. And, and there's a whole bunch of if-onlys right. that, that relate to that. Um, and on the other hand, seemingly unrelated policies can also improve health. And so the way we design policy and programs from schools to farmers markets to arts to urban planning and road design, uh, these things can harm health, but they can also be done strategically to enhance people's health. Can you think of a concrete example of this in Michigan? I think there are a lot of examples. So going for an unconventional one that I think sort of incorporates health in an ad hoc way, I don't know how much it was uh, intentionally planned that way, uh, is Double Up Food Bucks. Have you heard of this I've program? heard of Double Up Food Bucks. And for uh, listeners who have not, this is a program that if you take your bridge card to um, a participating farmer's market. In Detroit, it's the Eastern Market. You take it to a place and, or a, a desk at the, in the market, and they will actually give you tokens um, for twice what they're debiting from your card. So if you 
uh, wish to debit, say, $20 from your bridge card, you get $40 worth of tokens, which you can then spend at the market on fresh fruits and vegetables. Yep, fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables that are from Michigan exactly. farmers. And so on the surface, this program promotes local business and it promotes local agriculture and, and buying local first and supporting those Michigan farmers that you know give us such great produce. Uh, but beyond that, it also encourages uh, beneficiaries of the SNAP program to eat more fruits and vegetables, which we know affects our health and the quality of our nutrition. It also encourages those people or gives them an, an extra incentive to come to the farmer's market. And so farmer's markets provide a social environment where people can interact with one another, where they might build more pride or more trust in their community. And that kind of social capital can bolster people and improve their health and reduce stress. Right. And obviously there are arts, there are aesthetic benefits, there's you know a feeling of, of safety and community. And those intangibles are all really valuable to health as well. Right. And so you've got multiple layers here where it's improving the economy, improving uh, and improving people's health at the same time. Right. And if you've uh, visited the Detroit Eastern Market on Saturdays, you know that it's much more than just a bunch of vegetables being sold. They also have cooking demonstrations. Um, there are people passing petitions for ballot initiatives. Like you said, it's a community, it's education, it's you know, it's a lot more than just um, here's uh, three dollars, give me a dozen ears of sweet corn. So, okay, so um, this is an evolving topic that we may well return to in the future, maybe after the election in the fall. I would not be surprised if we have a long string of reports on public health in, in the Research Council's future. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, thanks, Tim. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. This has been an interesting discussion about a, an essential topic, and um, we'll see you again when the, when the next one drops. And that will do it for this edition of Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Remember... The Research Council operates as a public resource, and all of our papers, along with blogs, op-eds, and other resources, are available for download on our website, crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit through the generosity of Michigan's corporations, foundations, and individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation, go to our website, crcmich.org, and click on the contribution button on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmich at crcmich.org. I'm Nancy Derringer, and until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>